Good morning, ladies. It's me, Lynn Adams, coming to you from my closet with the help of modern technology. I'm excited to be able to stay in God's Word with you, to continue to study His attributes with you, despite this mandate that we are all following of social distancing. My prayer for you is that wherever you are, and whatever it is that you're listening to this, that you are well and at peace and trusting in the love of the Lord. So before we dive into this lesson of God is love, let's pray. Father, here we are, anxious for so many reasons, but fully longing to feel closer to you and to feel your love. Remove any distractions that are vying for our attention right now so that we can be fully open to receive what you want to give us from your word today. Bless this time and may it be used to glorify you. I ask this in your son's precious and holy name. Amen. Well, here I am giving my last lecture of this year, talking about something that at first glance seems so easy and so everyday and so common to us that I thought for a moment I wasn't going to be able to use the quote from A.W. Tozer that I promised to open with every time it was my turn to teach. Then I opened his book, the attributes of God, and the first sentence Tozer writes on God's attribute of love is, the love of God is the hardest of all of his attributes to speak to. Well, I was so excited that I was going to be able to say, if you can define it, it's not God, that it didn't even register at first what he was saying. Well, the joke's on me. Here it is, April 1st, and I am tasked with talking about God's love. It is no joke that God is love. The joke is that I have to try and explain it. Tozer says, you can't analyze love or describe love. You have to feel love. You can see how it works, but you don't know it until you have felt it. This is how it is with the love of God. I think the problem we have with defining God's love is that the word love is used so often in our language today for things that have nothing to do with the kind of unconditional love that is from God. C.S. Lewis wrote a book entitled The Four Loves. In it, he defines four types of love. I'm going to give a brief description of each of these. First, there is storgy love, which can be thought of as affection love. He says this is the most humble love and describes it as enjoying something or someone. This is the love that says, I love chocolate, or I love that house, or I love Humphrey Bogart. The second is phileo or friendship love. I can always remember this by thinking of Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love. Phileo is the strong bond existing between people who share common values, interests, or activities. The third we have is eros, or romantic love. It is the root of the word erotic. This is the most mercurial love, the love that burns the hottest and is a reflection of our feelings and our emotions in the moment. The fourth kind of love is the love that we're going to talk about today. Agape love. Agape love is unconditional love. 
This is the highest and most unselfish of all the love. Agape is the love the Apostle Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. I encourage you to take some time to read and sit with that scripture to soak in what agape love looks like for us. Agape is also called charity. It is not a natural love for us. In fact, it goes against our very self-centered natures. It loves the unlovable and undeserving. It gives all and asks for nothing in return. God's love is agape love. God is love and God never fails because God never fails. Let me say that again. God is love and love never fails because God never fails. Love cannot be separated from God and cannot exist without him. God's love is the foundation and definition of love. Just as he is the source, fountain, sustainer, and enabler of love. God gives meaning to love and without him, love isn't only worthless, it's also meaningless. God is the genesis, the very beginning of love. He is its source, and it is because of him that we are able to experience love. God's love, agape love, is completely undeserved. It is not a result of anything in us. We don't attract his love. His love overflows and pours out on us. Nothing that God ever does or ever did or ever will do is done to separate us from his love. God's love permeates him and is the foundation of everything he does. God is the summation of all love and all love comes from him. 1 John 4.8 describes one of God's primary attributes as love. It says, Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This verse does not define God as love. It describes God's love as permeating his very essence. It powers all he is and all he does. God is not only loving, he is fundamentally love. God alone loves in the completeness and perfection of agape love. One thing we need to learn is that God's love is based in a supreme desire to glorify himself. God alone is the being most worthy of love. He created us to love him, not so he could have someone to love. By seeking his own glory, God pours out his love on creation so that we can give glory to him. God loves his creation and his people. He loves us enough to take us into eternal glory with him. This is one of the greatest truths of scripture. In spite of who we are, God loves us. Isn't that amazing? The love of God is free, spontaneous, uninfluenced, and uncaused. It is eternal and sovereign. It is infinite and holy. It is without sentimentality and it never changes. 1 John 4.19 says, We love him because he first loved us. He did not love us in return for our love. 
His love is utterly unmoved by anything we are or anything we do. We did not call God's love into existence by being lovable. God's love has always existed. What is it in me that could possibly attract the heart of God? Is it my sin nature, my self-centeredness, my disobedience? Of course not. God loves me because he is love. Here we are in the season of Lent. We are coming right up to the only example we should ever need of what it means that God is love. In Romans 5.8, it says, But God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Do you get it? There are no conditions placed on God's love for us. It's just the opposite. God wants us to know that his love is unconditional, so he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die for us while we were still unlovable. We didn't have to do anything. We didn't have to make any promises to God about what we would do if he would love us. God's love is unconditional, and it's not based on feelings or emotions. He doesn't love us because we make him feel good. He loves us because he is love. His love for us has always existed. And because of that, he did all the giving and sacrificing long before we were even aware that we needed him and his love. Remember earlier when I said agape love is also described as charity or giving? God defines love in the act of giving. God sacrificed or gave his only son so that we, who put our faith in his son, will not spend eternity separated from him. This is an amazing love. Think about it. We are the ones who choose to reject God, but it's God who mends that separation through his personal sacrifice of his son, and all we have to do is accept his gift. This should be our goal, this agape love or charity. We should reflect the unconditional love of the Father given to us through His Son. Affection, friendship, and romantic love are each perfect training grounds for charity to grow. God wants us to feel all these kinds of love because they point us in the right direction. They are our warm-up for agape love. But they are not enough. And we need to guard against them taking the place of agape love. The love of God is in a class by itself. It transcends our experience. Nevertheless, it is a love that he shares with us and expects us to show each other. So how do we do that? Romans 5.5 5. Now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Love is both a gift from God and a fruit of the Holy Spirit. It is only through the Holy Spirit that we are able to receive God's love and pass it on to others. R.C. Sproul says that the Christian life is a life lived in the power of the Holy Spirit. That's why we call it a spiritual life. We should constantly be trying to live our lives under the authority of the Holy Spirit. Love is the supreme gift. Let's look at Matthew 22, verses 36 through 40. 
Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Jesus taught us that the greatest two commandments include love. He points to love as being the summation of the law, the ultimate obedience to God, and the foundation of spiritual growth in action. Agape love is defined as active because it comes to us with the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. He brings agape love. Love is a gift, a power, a presence, a foundation in which the rest of the fruit of the Spirit is nourished, nurtured, and cultivated. God is love, so when He is in us as believers, He brings His love to us. It's not something we manufacture on our own. We can't. Love started with God. The love of God is put in our heart by the Holy Spirit. It can be increased and flourish when we nourish it, but it can also diminish when we neglect it. So you have to ask yourself, is God's love flourishing in my life? I have a story to tell you about my leaf blower. I know this seems random, but just hang in there for a minute and hopefully it will make sense. I have a battery-operated leaf blower in my garage that I keep charged so that it's ready whenever I want to get some work done. My leaf blower gives me a weird amount of joy and satisfaction when I use it, even though it's considered work. I've even been known to use it to spontaneously do my neighbor's yard. Now, we are in that time of year when those of us who are blessed to have majestic oak trees are paying the price because it's the season when the leaves drop, followed by vast amounts of fuzzy pollen. For me, it is a daily opportunity to use my leaf blower. The other day, I was ready to go out and blow away all the debris that had fallen in my yard. I reached for my battery, only to discover that the last time I had used it, I had put it back on the charger, crooked, so it wasn't charged. Well, what about all that pollen that I needed to get rid of? So we'd quit tracking it in the house, and so the driveway and the sidewalk would look clean. Well, I do still have an old-fashioned broom, and since that was all that was available to me, I decided to use it. But guess what? I didn't get that same joy and satisfaction that I get when I use my leaf blower, even though I ended up with the same result. Instead, I felt overwhelmed and grumpy and not at all happy about having to do the work. I slogged through and got it done, but it felt totally different. I was doing something on my own power instead of having the power of the battery. My power did not compare to the power of my charged leaf blower. So, what does this story have to do with agape love? Well, we've all been in situations where we know we should be doing something for someone, but we just don't have the desire. Maybe there's an irritation that you feel, or you feel overwhelmed that you don't have what it takes to get the job done. 
Have you ever had those feelings when you are doing something that you just know God has called you to? You know it's the right thing. You know it's what you're supposed to be doing, but you just can't make yourself do it and you resent it. You have to make yourself do it and it doesn't feel good. If this is happening to you, you need to check your source. Are you relying on your own power? Are you trying to take on the world in your own strength? If you are, stop it. Nothing you are doing is more important than connecting to God, even the things he has called you to do. Get filled with the love of God by spending time with him. Time alone with God, worshiping him, will charge your battery. It will give you all the power and energy you need to do what he has asked you to do. Tap into the powerful and transformative love of God. Just be with him. Make sure that you are fully connected to the source of all love. Since all love is from God, when we are connected to him, he fills us, fuels us, and powers us with his love. We are then able to share his love in that agape way, with charity. We are able to love and give with joy and satisfaction. It's not a chore. It's a pleasure, and it is satisfying, and it is glorifying to God. A couple of months ago, I was sitting with my husband in our den. I was reading, and he was on his computer, when I suddenly knew he was staring at me. You know that feeling. So I looked over at him and I said, what is it? He smiled and said, do you know that there is a point in every day that I fall in love with you all over again? Can you imagine how that made me feel? We've all felt that overwhelming love for someone at some time in our lives. The kind of love that makes you want to spend time with that person and do anything you can for that person. And it never feels hard. It feels natural. It can even feel like you couldn't stop yourself from doing it if you wanted to. I think that this is what God wants from us. The only way it's going to happen is if we spend time with him. I think what he wants is for us to fall in love with him every single day. He wants us to be unable to pull ourselves away from him. He wants us, he he wants to be the focus of our greatest desire. The better we are acquainted with his love, its character, its fullness, its blessedness, the more our hearts will be drawn out in love to him. If you want to know his love, true agape love, get to know God. He is ready to pour out his love on you, and he wants to teach you how to love others as he loves you. Think of it this way. The more we are assured of God's love for us and of how much we don't deserve it, then the more we are humbled and filled with joy, and then the more we are able to pour ourselves out in love for others— all of which leads to magnifying the glory of God. This is what agape love is all about. So I want to end this lesson with this scripture from 1 John chapter 4, verse 18. God's perfect love casts out fear. 
We are living in difficult times right now. We don't know from one day to the next what COVID-19 means for us. Will we get it? Will someone we love get it? What are the long-term effects for this world we live in? Fear comes when we believe we are in the hands of chance, not in the hands of God. We will always have things in this world to fear, war, disease, accidents, and so on. The problem comes when we let those fears take hold of us and our minds. Now, I'm well aware that simply saying, don't be afraid, is not helpful. What is helpful is to point you to Christ, to your salvation in Him. Through the cross, we have gained forgiveness and eternal life. In recognizing that, we can see God's love for us, and focusing on His love will push away our fear. Love comes in and pushes fear out. What can the world do to a person who is grounded in the love of God? All real fear disappears when we focus on God's love for us because fear comes when we are in the hands of someone who does not want what's good for us, someone who wants to harm us. God wants only good for us. Every time God thinks about us, he thinks about us with love. The same love that created us, redeemed us, and now keeps us. How would your life be different if you could accept, affirm, and live by Paul's words in Romans eight thirty-one and 32? What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? The goal is to understand God's love more clearly. In order to do that, we must look at the events in our lives, not in terms of our circumstances, but in the light of the truth that God has told us and shown us. Is there anything more powerful than the message in John three sixteen? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. When we turn to him once and for all, surrendering our sin, our brokenness, our need for control, God will forgive us. He'll welcome us in and he'll alter our lives with his unconditional agape love. God's love is the power that can drive our lives. God's love is a love that casts out all fear. God's love isn't something to be earned. It is something to be received and embraced. Let's pray. Father, you are love. Help us to be a reflection of your love. Let the abundant, overflowing love you pour out on us flow out of us into a world that can only be changed by you. Help us to remember that we cannot love others in our own power, but only when we are in relationship with you. Fill us, Lord, so that in your power we can pour out your love to this hurting world. I ask this in the restorative name of your Son, 
Jesus Christ. Amen.